you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo on this one. Cousin Shane probably hiking his ass down to McDonald's as we speak. And it's funny I should mention McDonald's. We've got some wild, wild recruiting allegations on this one. (laughs) You've been following us on Twitter, that SEC podcast, of course. You would have seen these clips already, but, uh, you know, I wanted to start right here. Couldn't go another day without at least talking about this. For anybody that missed it, old Rush Probst, former Hoover High head coach down there in Alabama, moved to... Georgia, I think he got kicked out of the state of Alabama, coaching at Valdosta, got kicked out of Valdosta. Most, I assume most of the audience knows who that is, but uh, long, long time high school head coach. Jeremy Pruitt worked under him. Chip Lindsey worked under him. He's, you know, former Auburn offensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach at Troy. Troy's offensive coordinator used to work for Rush Probes. He's got heavy, heavy ties into the SEC, sent many, many players to the SEC. Now I say all that, of course, this guy, noted scumbag. I mean, if you don't know the story, why did he get kicked out of Hoover High and all that? My man had a separate family. He's one of these guys, married with a wife, had another girlfriend, baby, what have you. Huge scandal down there. If you don't know this guy, look him up. Like I said, he's not necessarily a good guy, and I'm not saying... That everything he's got here is the absolute God's honest truth because who knows? I mean, who knows? But this stuff is pretty explosive. I kind of feel like we had to talk about it. And for some reason, Georgia got uh, most of the headlines here. He talks about uh, Nick Saban and Alabama and what's going on there as well. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think anything's ever going to come of this. But it's just juicy information and that's what we're here for. So... Uh, let's kick it over to leaked audio, and I'm going to get to this in a second because uh, before we get to even to the clips, everyone, you know, all the attention I saw, this leaked on Sunday, 
all the headlines, all the tweets, Georgia and Kirby cheating, Nick Saban, Alabama cheating. They missed the biggest damn story in this entire audio leak. We're going to play that at the end. You know, it leads me to believe that uh, there's some credibility. That may not even be the right word because, like I said, this is not necessarily the most trustworthy guy. And unless he uh, goes under oath and starts working with the NCAA, which I give, I'd say there's uh, about a zero percent chance that ever happening. Nothing's going to come of this. So, and you know, even if these allegations are false, I don't think anything's going to come of this. So, not hurting either program by playing this. I don't think. But for the rest of the SEC, this is what we want to hear. Let's kick it over to this leaked audio. And again, this was posted by an anonymous user, so it's very shady, very scandalous. Rush Probes talking about Kirby Smart's Georgia program. You know what Kirby's doing at Georgia right now? You know why he's taking that program the way he is? I think because he's a good recruiter. He is, but why do you think he's getting these kids and keeping kids in and all that stuff? Taking care of them. So he's got a guy named Hugh Nall, who lives in Albany. Hugh is the Hugh is the guy that sort of handles things. Okay, he's the handler. Okay, so Kirby's come down and met with the richest of the rich of South and West Georgia, not Southeast, not Macon, Southwest where he's from. Mm-hmm. He got the richest guy in Bainbridge. He got the two richest guys in Colquitt. He's got. Rich guy over here in Valdosta. Anybody's a Georgia boy. Wonder who he's got in Valdosta. Multi-millionaires. Now listen, do you know how much money they spend on a player when they get them? Somewhere around nine to hundred thousand dollars to sign. Somewhere nine to what? Nine to hundred and fifty thousand to sign. Like mm-hmm. Chubbs. When Chubbs came back and Chubbs they go to the NFL draft, Mark Motley. It was three sixty thousand dollar donations given to Chubbs to stay in school. That's hundred and eighty thousand dollars for him to have for him to not go declare for the draft. Yeah. So but that's what Kirby does. Well, who did he learn that from? Yeah. I don't shit though. Nick Saban. I was gonna say. Alright, so I think that maybe the biggest accusation there comes with the Nick Chubb comments saying that Nick Chubb family he keeps saying Nick Chubbs, and I th- I've seen people call him out. Well, he didn't even know the guy's name. It sounds to me like he's saying Chubbs, as in the family. It's pretty obvious that he's talking about the family, in my opinion. But Nick Chubb has responded. Not a guy that jumps out here, that says much, posts much. But here's what Nick Chubb said, in all fairness. So I tend to believe Nick Chubb, 10 out of 10 over Rush Probes. If I needed money, I would have went pro. Hashtag fake news. That's from... Nick Chubb, Monday evening. So there's probably not much to these Nick Chubb allegations from Rush Probes, but again, the guy didn't know he was being recorded. Trust me, we're going to get to the tail end of here. It's really going to prove it. If you don't know you're being recorded, this was apparently at some kind of touchdown club. He didn't sound like he was, you know, messed up, liquored up, what have you. So I don't know, maybe just running his mouth on things that uh, he's got some knowledge of and others he's got no knowledge of. Maybe he's got no knowledge on any of this, but it's pretty interesting. Now, it didn't stop there. Like I said, a lot of his players have gone on to play for Nick Saban at Alabama. And you know Nick Saban and Rush have a good relationship given the 
the Jeremy Pruitt ties. If you don't know, when Jeremy Pruitt first got to Alabama, that was his role was uh, just to connect with the high school coaches. He wasn't even a position coach at that time. So, I mean, these guys have a relationship. Again, that doesn't mean that what he's about to say is true, but it's pretty interesting. So here's Rush Probes talking about stuff he's heard going on at Alabama. But that's what Kirby does. Well, who did he learn that from? He told shit about Nick Saban. I was going to say. I mean, that was going to be my next guess. See, Nick's got it made because Nick's got one guy he answers to, Paul Bear Bryant Jr. Paul Jr. is his go-to guy. Multi-time, multi-time. He's the second-reached guy in Alabama. Or the third-reached guy in Alabama is the guy from the Mobile. And so, Amos Cooper. So, Amos handles all the Mobile money. Coach Bryant had that set up in the 60s, 70s. So, Mobile, where all the dirty money comes, or over around Aliceville up to the west side of the state, up around Florence, down in that in that Joe Wheeler State Park money. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that's how Alabama handles every bit of their network. So we got to find some funny money. Funny money. All right, so like I said, I mean, some pretty interesting stuff. Georgia fans, Alabama fans probably calling complete bullshit on this one, and I wouldn't, I don't blame you. Like I said, Rush. Not a very credible guy, known liar, known cheater. He's been kicked out of multiple states, multiple programs. So scumbaggy type guy. But the most explosive allegations from this leaked audio is about something he's done. So you really think he's going to put out audio out there trying to tag Kirby in Georgia and Nick Saban in Alabama and say what he's about to say about himself and what's going on in years past, him paying players, where's he getting that money? According to him, some of it is confiscated drug money to play, again, not college players, high school football players receiving seized drug money, according to Rush Probst. The kids we got from Alabama, yeah. Lance called me one time. He said, I know how you, how are you getting those guys? And I told him, I said, Rance and I are real close now. We're mm-hmm. real friends now. And I told him, I said, Rance, I don't mind telling you. I said, I got some people in here that'll cash money. And I said, I said you, you've been in college football. You want to go back to college football? I said, let me tell you something you probably fix up cash money. You learn how to do with cash money and get with, see over there it's easy because farmers, farmers dealing cash money. Mm-hmm. In Mobile, shrimping industry, cash money. In Hoover, you know where I have my damn cash money in Hoover? From the city police of drug raids on the damn I-20, they would down get drug raids and they would give me cash money from time to time from drug raids. I shit you not. I put, they probably gave me $30,000 of drug money. That is something. Is that not unbelievable? Well, we might be able to get Ashley to do that. There's no way to stop people on Interstate 75. Oh, oh, they make a living on it. And, and, and the bottom line, they buy police cars, they buy this, mm-hmm. they buy that. So the Hoover police love the Hoover Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And so when I need cash money, I just call the chief police. And I'd say, hey, 
And then it got to the mayor, and then the mayor, you know, was fine too. I mean, he's like, he like the mafia. But but anyway. All right, so, I mean, how I don't know how Georgia and Alabama, that's the main headline where the guy just said that. And th- again, that leads me to believe who in the hell is going to admit to something like that on a audio recording. I think this was secretly recorded without his knowledge. Had to have been. I don't know the laws down there. Sure as hell, that sounds like a felony. Can't take seize government money and pay high school players. I mean, my God, that's like I'm telling you, this guy's a scumbag of, you know, the highest order here. So take everything he says with a grain of salt. But it's interesting. Jeremy Pruitt. NCAA at Tennessee got him on all this stuff. Previous schools he worked for, Georgia and Alabama. Worked under Nick Saban. I mean, come on now. who? <laughs> it's all tied together. But hey, aside from some just wild allegations, we do got some SEC content to hit on. All right, I don't know how in the hell I'm going to transition from that story. Dan Mullen met with the media. That audio did not come out till much later, so... Did not have a chance to grab that. That'll be on the next episode. But we got two teams here. Uh, Sam Pittman did his first media availability of the spring. So let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! We got spring football right around the corner. Sam Pittman met with the media on Monday to preview Arkansas's upcoming spring camp. Of course, the Razorbacks started out pretty strong last season. Three wins in their first seven games. Yes, End of the season. You know, I was calling it. Razorbacks, thin team, lacking depth, injuries starting to mount, COVID issues starting to mount there at the end of the season. They fell apart. Now, they still had some fight. You know, they had some fight in that LSU game. That was a tough loss. Missouri, they scored the game-winning touchdown two-point conversion with 40-something seconds in the game. Missouri marched down the field, kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. So it's not like they gave up on the season, but, you know, that was just too easy to predict with a team like that just not having the roster ready to compete. But here, based on what uh, Coach Pittman has to say entering spring, and, you know, obviously everybody's pumped up for the spring. Everything's good. There's no bad news. But according to Pittman, we've only got four players that won't be available to start spring. That's a hell of a start. And the main contributor there is uh, Davion Warren, the receiver. So he's going to be very limited. But there's so much to point to in Fayetteville right now that's promising. We've got so many guys. They're calling them super seniors now, the seniors that have elected to come back. Arkansas's got as many of those guys as anybody in the SEC. We just had something like, 15 early enrollees in the camp. So this is the deepest roster, the most talented roster. I know it's only year two, but it's the deepest, most talented roster of the Sam Pittman era. Didn't even have spring football last season. Sam Pittman's anticipating some pretty heavy-duty camp battles. Let's kick it over to Coach. Hey, Sam. I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the achievement goals that you have for spring practice. What all you want to get done? There's so many battles, you know, every spring, every year there'll be battles in spring ball, and that's the fun part of it. You know, you can go out there, you can be a little more physical in the spring where you can uh, find out about kids a little a little faster than uh, 
you know, getting them ready for a game. You're just, you're trying to see what the competition level is like in spring. So you can do a lot of different drills, a lot of, uh, a little more physicality, things of that nature to find out. So I'm really excited. There's basically, and you guys know where there might be a little more separation in players than others, but there's a lot of a lot of positions up for, you know, somebody told me we have 20 re- returners coming back, starters. Uh, there's a lot of battles in that, in those 20. And so that's, that's, that's really exciting. So this is exactly, if you remember, when Sam Pittman got there, this is what he promised. You know, tough, physical. You know what you're getting with Sam Pittman. I mean, he's not – he doesn't care what it looks like. He just wants it to get it done, and it's got to start in the trenches. And, again, that kind of goes back to Arkansas's – you know, the last – the end of the season there kind of fell apart. Don't really have the offense and defensive line talent or depth to compete in the SEC last season. Now we're starting to see that change. I didn't play this part of the clip. But Sam Pittman says every scholarship offensive lineman, with the exception of one, weighing over 300 pounds now, that's a hell of a start for this ground and pound. And if you remember Arkansas, that was kind of the issue with them. I mean, it started, the offense was, you know, not up to the standard you thought it would be. The defense was carrying the team, and it kind of flipped towards the end of the season. I think the players started to you know, adapt more to the offensive system. But I I think the critical factor in that was just not having the offensive line where they needed to be. And I think with, I believe Arkansas's got, basically, I think they've got the, I know they just had a guy retire, but before that they had the first and the second team, the entire offensive line returning. They got Crawford in the Arkansas native that went to Charlotte, and then he transferred back, former four-star. So, I mean, they're pretty loaded on that offensive line now. They couldn't control the line of scrimmage, couldn't run the ball early in these SEC games. I think that you know, played a big factor on why they struggled so much on the offensive side of the ball. Now, maybe we got that fixed, but the, now the biggest question mark in Arkansas, well, who's going to be the quarterback? Felipe Franks did a hell of a job last season. When he went down, K.J. Jefferson stepped up in that Missouri game, could have won the game. It you know, was on his shoulders. Last time he touched the ball, he drove him down the field for scored a touchdown. So they're in good hands with K.J. Jefferson. He's going to be the starting quarterback entering spring. But going back to that theme of competition, I mean, he's not going to be handed anything. Malik Hornsby, if he finds a way to progress, he's going to be able to you know, have that opportunity to steal it out from him. Coach Pittman was asked about it. Two interesting comments here about the quarterback position. Yes, he says K.J. Jefferson is QB1 right now, but uh, basically the entire room, according to Coach Pittman, maybe fits a lot better what they want to do there in the Kendall Browse offense. Yes, Sam. What's the the quarterback competition really going to look like this spring? Are K.J. and Malik kind of 1A and 1B with equal reps, or does K.J. maybe have a little bit of an edge because of his experience? Well, we're going to two-spot everything. In other words, we're going to have two fields going um, because we have numbers. And uh, so uh, Malik right now will be on the two-field. And to start out, we're going to go ones and freshmen, twos and threes. And he'll be down there getting as many reps and the same same reps as what K.J. would. Uh, But right now, K.J. is our starter. And... um, we certainly anticipate a really nice uh, battle 
and all that's going to do is make you better and the kids understand it and it'll make KJ better. It'll make Malik better. It'll make Coley, Renfro, whomever, uh, John Stevens, it'll make everybody better. And as far as, uh, you know, when I envisioned Kendall's offense uh, and watched it on tape before he was hired, um, I think whom we have at quarterback right now is probably tailored to his offense a little bit more even than what Felipe was, you know, because Felipe was a, what I'm going to call a surprising runner. You know, he ran better than what I thought he would. And uh, uh, these other guys are are certainly capable of, of uh, being a running back as well. So they all can throw or they wouldn't be here, but, so I think it's it'll be more of maybe Kendall putting in everything in his offense that he can versus some of the things that he may not have had because of of uh, Felipe and our depth chart. It's a really interesting comment there, I thought, from Sam Pittman. You know, anytime you lose a senior quarterback, you know, I'm not trying to downgrade Felipe. I'm, I'm not saying they've automatically upgraded over him. I mean, Jefferson and Hornsby clearly don't have the experience and certainly don't have the SEC experience. So, you know, there could be a steep learning curve there, despite what we've seen K.J. Jefferson do in limited action. But, you know, maybe something to be said there for having a better fit, maybe for looking at the Arkansas running backs. I know uh, Traylon Smith, I mean, he had a hell of a season, but do they have a guy that uh, you can give it to you know, kind of like a bell cow back. I don't know, but if you add in that running factor from the quarterback position, maybe you don't need it as much. Uh, so that's just something to think about. And maybe with uh, Felipe Franks moving on to the NFL, maybe not as big of a drop-off as some would anticipate. And last thing, Ben, I just thought this was great because this reminded me of uh, the Tennessee homer here. Basically, anytime I put him on the spot, He's terrified he's going to not know who I'm talking about, know a guy's name. Sam Pittman, Cousin Shane's spirit animal, in the same position this time last year. Check it out. Sam, going into year two for you personally, how much more of a, a comfort level is it to, uh, to, you know, already have that year down and have all these players now that, uh, you know, are returning and know the system? Well, I know everybody on the team. You know, that's a positive uh, you asked me a question. My biggest fear last year is you guys are going to ask me about somebody I have no clue who he was, you know. But you were very kind and didn't do that. <laughs> All right, so how great was that? Sam Pittman, never changed, man. That's why you're the best. All right, last thing here. Let's kick it on down to Rocky Top. Where Tennessee's defensive staff met with the media for the first time this spring. And again, you know, now that we've got this staff together, still got my questions about Tim Banks. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a great hire, but, you know, he, he didn't come out here and embarrass himself or anything. And, you know, I always say it doesn't even matter what in the hell they say during the press conference. It's, you know, much more important what they do on game day and, and in recruiting. So, you know, there's nothing really to be learned necessarily here, but given the fact that we don't know hardly anything, particularly about Tim Banks, Outside of, I'm sure, Penn State fans could tell you a thing or two, but they ain't. I don't talk to Penn State people. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So what are we going to be running here at Tennessee? How long is the installation process going to take? That's I thought, was the key questions 
and comments from Tim Banks from his Monday afternoon media availability. Let's kick it over to Tim Banks. I was wondering, uh, is what's your assessment um, of the the level of talent that uh, that you step into here with this defense, and then also, um, you know, I know you want to be multiple um, schematically, but but do you see yourself more as a as a four man front type of defense? Yeah, you know, again, I, I think we're still in the you know getting to know each other phase. Yeah, um, Blake, if that makes sense. So. You know, we watch the tape, you know, obviously there's some talented young men out there or else they wouldn't be at a place like Tennessee, you know, but to what degree and what they can do moving forward, you know, we, we got to continue to evaluate it. But I, I feel good. You know, I feel like we'll have a chance to, to look these guys in the eye and, and have a strong plan that gets them in the best position to be successful. You know, as far as the 4-3 or 3-4 and, you know, all those type of things, you know, once again, you know, what do we have to work with? You know, again, as we continue to go through spring, you know, we evaluate it, you know, we'll, we'll make some decisions moving forward that obviously, you know, puts the players in the best light, which in turn puts our defense in the best light. But but right now, you know, we're trying to continue to evaluate the talent level um, and see what these guys can, can obviously do and do well. How much of your scheme do you hope to install in the spring? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think just the base you know, we're always going to put the base in first, you know, and start from the ground up working this thing, you know, as we start to get, you know, more exotic, you know, based on, you know, the appetite that the kids have uh, to be able to digest, you know, some of the more, um, you know, strenuous um, mentally um, um, things that may be within the package, you know, we'll, we'll be able to look at that toward the end of spring would be my guess. But but naturally, you want to start from A to B first and work your way to Z. So we want to get the base foundation in, um, see what these kids can do, see what kind of appetite they have, you know, and then we'll move forward in terms of, you know, putting them in some more what we would deem as exotics. All right. So I praise Josh Heupel for kind of saying something similar last week. You know, you have to adapt to the talent you've got. Just you don't want to you know, try to stuff that the round object into a square peg. You know what I mean? So. Tim Banks, at least given that, he's saying basically the same thing. We've got to find out what we've got in these players. I've not been here long enough. We need to go through camp, get a feel for where we're strengths and weaknesses of all our players. So I like that, but at the same time, not giving us much answers here. But I think he, he's honestly just being truthful here. Got to find out. They're probably going to find out they're pretty thin at linebacker, particularly uh, if Crouch and Henry T don't return. So maybe we're looking at a, you know, a 425 something like that. That might be in the future, but then again, I don't know if Tennessee's got the corners either. So, I don't know. They're going to have to figure something out here and Tim Banks is going to be in charge of it. You know, speaking of Crouch and Henry T, Tim Banks was asked about it. He said kind of what you would you expect him to, but based on his response, I wouldn't be holding my breath that these guys are going to be returning to Tennessee. Uh let's kick it over last time to uh, Tim Banks. One, um, do you expect Henry Toto and Corveris Crouch to play for your defense this year? And Yeah, well, dealing with the first question, you know, we, we don't have a timeline on those guys. You know, they're not here, obviously, at this point. So, you know, we're super excited about the guys that are here in this program that are working. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. But right now, we're, we're just concerned with the guys that are here. All right, so read into that what you will. But doesn't sound too optimistic that those guys are going to be returning at least – that's how I view it. But he wasn't the only one to speak. They, like I said, they all spoke there on Rocky Top. But, man, my guy, Mark, this guy, the new special teams coordinator, outside linebackers coach, Mike Eckler, this is the guy that uh, played on a previous show, got the tattoo 
to win the recruitment of Will Compton. This guy's an animal. And the rumor is, when he was down at Georgia, he used to be the linebacker's coach down there at Georgia, when Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator. Let me give you the backstory, if maybe you don't know. I mean, we all know how that ended. Mark Rick got fired, mostly because the offense took a huge step back. But that's when I started covering the SEC, was right around that time. So pretty familiar with the situation down there. I mean, you really just had a really fractured Georgia coaching staff where it was Mark Rick guys and it was Jeremy Pruitt guys. And a lot of the Jeremy Pruitt guys, you know, were the guys that he hired when he got the job there on Rocky Top. And you had guys on the other side, loyal, obviously, to Mark Richt. Well, based on, uh, you know, what Eckler's about to say here, he was clearly a Mark Richt guy. Not a big fan of Jeremy Pruitt. And the rumor is that they got into a physical altercation. And, you know, I don't know how many people even remember this, but Jeremy Pruitt up and he quit in the middle of the season. Georgia's defensive coordinator posted it on Twitter, basically saying, peace out, thanks for everything, deleted that, coached the rest of the season. But a lot of tensions, that was Mark Rick's final season. So here he was asked during his first media availability, he had an opportunity to be a hero to all the Jeremy Pruitt Tennessee haters. Let's kick it over to Mike Eckler. Is it a, a true story or, or an urban legend that, that you and Jeremy Pruitt got into a fight when you guys were on staff together there at Georgia? Um, you know what? The uh, only thing I'll say about my experience at Georgia is um, worked for Mark Richt, an unbelievable guy, and really had a, a, a great experience working for him. For him, Incredible person. Um, and, you know, I'm just excited about what we're doing here. And All right, so he didn't take the bait. <laughs> Credit that uh, reporter for at least trying to get him there. But, uh, you know, that's not the end of the story. Because I was able to dig up an interview Mike Eckler did with the North Texas Daily back in 2016, right after the end of his Georgia days. He was asked about it. Tell me about uh, why you're at North Texas. Tell me about, uh, you know, what happened there at uh, Georgia, what have you. Here's what he said, direct quote. I've worked at some of the greatest schools history-wise, in the game. But what it boils down to is people. You can be at the University of Georgia and be miserable if you're working with shitty people. I really enjoy my work environment and players here. And again, he's talking about North Texas during that time. So, hey, he's a big Mark Rick fan. (laughs) Kind of, you know who he's talking about when he's talking about shitty people and being miserable, having to work with them. Uh, it's pretty clear it's the old Chrome Dome, Mr. Clean, Jeremy Pruitt. So, hey, but that wasn't the only, that was not even the highlight of Mike Eckler's time with the media. I think this guy's going to be a star if they put him in front of the microphone more often. So the guy that uh, he got the the tattoo to coach, Will Compton, that was at Nebraska. This is a, There was a story. He challenged his defense. You know, let's have the greatest practice in Nebraska history. And if you do it, we're having a big barbecue over here. We'll put down, throw down some barbecue. Then I'm going to go run a damn marathon. He started running down the interstate before the police picked him up. True story. Here's Mike Eckler sharing his recollection of that 
running down the highway, getting picked up by the police. And to finish the story on, on the run, um, uh, it, it, all right, so we, we were practicing. It was spring practice. We had a Friday practice. It was not one of our best practices. My wife and kids were out of town. They're actually in St. Louis. And I told our guys we had an early morning scrimmage in, in Memorial Stadium on Saturday. I said, hey, fellas, we're going to have the greatest practice in the history of Nebraska football today. I said, when we do, so I'm going to go run a marathon. And lo and behold, I mean, Levante, David, and Will Compton, and a bunch of other dudes out there just wrecking shop. We had an unbelievable practice. So after practice, we go, and we had a, a bunch of boosters there. So we had a big barbecue. And so we're under the stadium eating barbecue. And then one of my good friends, Joe Moglia, who was with us, and he was a, he's the CEO of TD Ameritrade, went on to become the head coach at Coastal Carolina. He lived in Omaha. And so you take I-80 from Lincoln, Omaha, and I said, hey, Joe, we dropped me off. And so he dropped me off 27 and a half miles away from the stadium on I-80. It was 90 degrees out. I will admit, though, there was a wind at my back. And so I just I took off, started running. I, all I had was a little, um, uh, little, a little headset, and, and I had my GPS, you know, with my that tracked how your splits and so forth. So I got to running, I think I was 23 and a half miles in, and I hear these sirens come up behind me. And it scared the heck out of me now because I'm just running on the shoulder of the interstate. And I look behind me, and it's a police officer pulling me over. And he said, he goes, he goes son, what are you doing? I said, officer, I'm running a marathon. He goes, you can't run out of here. I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's illegal. And so it made me get in a police car, and I'm sitting in there. I didn't have a shirt on. I was, I was sweating like Moses Malone in the fourth quarter. And so I get in there and, and, um, and I look in the mirror and it looked like I had rabies because it was 90 degrees. I'd been running 22 and a half miles. I had cotton mouth like you couldn't believe. And so he said, give me your name. I said, Mike Eckler. And he goes, Coach Eck? He goes, what are you doing, man? And, and I, I told him and he goes, I said, officer, how far am I for the 56th Street exit? He said, you're two miles away. I said, that's where I'm turning. That's where I'm going to the stadium. I said, just let me finish. He said, I can't do that. I'll, I can get fired if you get, if you get hurt. So I said, well, so I am kind of tired. How about if you just give me a ride back to the stadium then? <laughs> so that's how it ended. So I never finished it. All right, so you can't say this guy does not have a personality. <laughs> and if nothing else, I appreciate him for that because – as you guys know, we sure do enjoy tell-the-truth segments where these damn coaches won't tell us a single lick of truth, nothing but coach speak. Mike Eckler, aside from not admitting that uh, he punched Jeremy Pruitt in the face, allegedly, would not go into those details. I had, understandably, not give him a hard time for that, but I just thought that was great. I thought the audience would appreciate that one. All right, like I said, on the next one, we're going to get to those uh, Dan Mullen comments. And I'm trying to line up a really good guest that's in the theme of that. Just He recently wrote a really good piece on Dan Mullen. So I'm trying to reach out, see if I can get him on the show. If so, I'll throw that on there. And uh, hopefully Cousin Shane makes an appearance wherever he is. He's out there listening. But let him know you missed him on the show. Give him some encouragement to get back on out here. Stop taking those hikes to McDonald's to get to cash bags but uh, hey that's gonna do it if you made it this far don't forget as always leave us that five star written review on the apple podcast app and i probably don't mention this enough 
you know, follow us on YouTube. We got a YouTube channel, that SEC podcast, post uh, coaching interviews and videos and all that t- good stuff. The podcast goes there too. So if, uh, you know, if, you, if YouTube's your preferred way to listen to the show, you can go there as well. And uh, hey, we've got, uh, it's two for one on our merchandise right now over at T Public. That information's in the show notes. You just got to click that link in the podcast show notes to get two for one on the t-shirt deals over at TeePublic. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you on the next one.